Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is James Rogers, director and CEO of Clarity Gold Corp, who are a junior miner focused on on the acquisition and exploration of overlooked and underfinanced gold projects in North America. James is a geologist by background with over 15 years experience and has developed projects in the Americas, Europe and Africa. Um, He's the principal of Longford Exploration Services, and since 2017, James and his team have identified and vended over 90 resource properties to to the public and private companies. So has a strong pedigree in the junior sector, and and obviously will give us an overview of the junior market and what the future holds in that space. Um, So anyone that's obviously watching this on YouTube, appreciate if you can obviously um, share and like the video down below. Um, and let's get straight into this, and let's welcome James. How are you doing, James? Great this morning. Thanks so much, Rob. I'm excited to have a chat with you today, tell a little bit about our story. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to do this as well. So, um, like we always start these podcasts off, just wondering if you can um, give us a, a background about yourself, uh, from obviously when you graduated um, to sort of present day, and then we can uh, talk about more about uh, Clarity Gold. Yeah, for sure. So I guess uh, I'm I'm that sort of um, resource professional that didn't want to become a resource professional at the first place and found myself working in the industry in 2000 and uh, I guess 2005, uh, something like that now. Um, And my dad was a geologist, so it's always been in our family. Um, He'd been uh, exploring with Narandup and northern canada and all around the world um and i wanted to do everything but become a geologist and work in mining because i didn't want to be like my father growing up (laughs) however it sucked me in so uh, i kind of came in the industry backwards where i started working in the field um i went to school uh pulled kind of my uh previous training and background in aircraft engineering and a bunch of other things kind of all culminated in uh, building a field services company Um, From that, we had been working on three continents, managing drill programs, taking projects from that early stage, like the first guys in a piece of ground, first boots on a piece of ground out of a helicopter, uh, pick it up, take it through geochemistry, targeting, um, pull it into a drill program, and then hopefully up into that feasibility or pre-fees level. And that was kind of our specialty in what we did multiple times uh, for a number of our clients. Along the way, I started learning and becoming a little bit more interested in the generative side of the uh, the industry as well. Um, and as we quickly learned, uh, we had a really good team. We were able to process data quickly, and we kind of looked at things a little bit different and a little bit more modern than a lot of uh, other companies or other individuals or uh, alike some of the ones that were being the most successful uh, in the industry. So we kind of shifted our focus to be able to start thinking a little bit more about, okay, great. So we've got, you know, these great big trucks of land, there's good things going on. How can we think about them different and find some good value and generate new projects, new ideas? So we really kind of kicked that off a few years ago and that's kind of defined the path of the way their private company has gone. 
So when I was approached in a year ago uh, to lead Clarity Gold as CEO, um, they had just bought one of our projects, an empirical project out here in British Columbia. Then um, I was approached to run it as CEO. It's kind of the first time I've really put all of my team knowledge and experience together uh, to advance a public company. And I've worked on public companies as a director and officer for a number of years now as well. Um, but not something that's really been mine where I've been that driving force of let's let's build a team, let's put the right people in it, let's identify some projects, let's let's really give it everything we've got and leverage all of my and my team's experience uh, to pull together uh, what will hopefully become a success story. So, yeah. And have you found that step from being like a director of other companies, but now being in the hot seat? Yeah. So, well, and I'm not unfamiliar with the hot seat. I was CEO on a, or I am, a, you know, C-suite professional on a number of other mining deals, but it always been kind of, look, they've got a project, they've got something running. Um, maybe I'm on as a director and then join as um uh, an officer or something and be, take a more active role. Oftentimes our service company will help do all the management of the exploration work and then I'll help them out up in the, the C-suite. So I, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't unfamiliar with the, the hot seat part, but being asked to say, hey, you're the, you're the person we want to run this because of what you know, uh, what do you want to do? <laughs> it's a little bit different than we've got a project, we need to help carrying it forward. So uh, it's been a different transition for sure um but it hasn't really been that um that different from what i'm very comfortable and used to so my time is almost entirely spent with clarity and making sure everything's moving along um, we spent a ton of time uh not only working on our ex initial projects but take this thing through an ipo brought it public in june of this year uh of last year i guess now 2020 but actually then going through and identifying um, some great target uh, acquisitions and M&A opportunities for the company to acquire, which is what we've just accomplished, yeah. which is exciting. So, Yeah. So I just wonder if you can obviously give the audience um, some more information around um, Clarity Gold's business and mandate and obviously your, uh, your vision. Yeah. So we, we started the company, like I said, so they had, we entered into a deal, they acquired one of my projects, then I became, was offered and became CEO of the company, brought it through the IPO, uh, built a bit of a board around it, kept a pretty lean team, IPO'd it in June of 2020. Um, did some work on our basic, um, our, our foundational portfolio of assets, which were all Canadian focused gold, all in British Columbia. In that case, we acquired a couple more uh, grassroots projects. Uh, but all the while, I was kind of keeping a keen eye open for other opportunities. Um, built a really strong advisory board with the likes of a number of my mentors, uh, Michelle Robert, Ian Graham, you know, ex Rio Tinto, ex. Um, large company guys that are really just wanting to support and be involved in a young and fresh story and a, an energetic team like like ours. As we were combing around, mandate was gold, uh, North America, preferably Canada, um, something that people hadn't thought about the way that we could think about it. And that's exactly what we came across. Um, so in November, uh, November 30th, there, this is the end of November, we announced a transaction, uh, which was very transformational uh, step for Clarity, uh, taking its focus from Western Canada on a um, bulk ton inch uh, copper gold uh, 
porphyry project called the Empirical. Uh, we pivoted out to the Abitibi region of Canada, which is um, one of the most prolific gold belts in the world, I would say, which straddles a border between Ontario and Quebec. Now, this is an area where, you know, tens of millions of ounces have been historically produced back to like 1901. Like there's more head frames that I've ever seen anywhere. It's incredible. You drive a hundred kilometers in this area and you've passed a dozen mines. It's, yeah. it's, it's remarkable. Uh, and I've worked there for about 10 years now. So we've got really good roots. We've got good contacts. We, we understand how to operate in the Abitibi and we recognized an opportunity on a project that had been, um, Basically, a, an open pit or a bulk tonnage style of resource was built in 2011. Uh, 600,000 ounces across indicated and inferred, um, quarter million inferred of that, all around a gram. Now, that's an okay grade for an open pit style of mineralization in the Abitibi. You can make that work for sure. Um, however, what we started to notice as we peeled the onion back was the amount of high grade intercepts that were inside of that. Um, lower grade or broader envelope, but they use that as four to one strip rate ratio. So, and we got a little bit more excited about it as we dug deeper. Now, my experience in the Abitibi has been in high grade underground, uh, as well as bulk tonnage at pit low grade. I mean, some of the biggest open pits in North America are out here in Malarctic. Um, and a number of underground mines are going all the way down to 2,300 meters in the Abitibi. So, we found a pro uh, project that had some underpinning ounces, really high grade in, in it, hadn't been drilled much deeper than the deposit itself, which is capped at 400 meters. Uh, but we're getting incredible high grades up to like 170 grams, um, like multi-gram, multi-multimeter intercepts uh, throughout the core of this thing. So take that, think about it a little bit different. Uh, we were able to negotiate a good deal with Big Ridge to acquire it, um, favorable for both time and price. And basically, we've taken that step. And now we're an Abitibi-focused, uh, quebec -based, uh, well, Canadian-based, Abitibi-focused company with a, its flagship project now, um, basically on infrastructure in 45-minute uh, hours drive north of Aldor in Quebec. So... Pretty, pretty big transformation for us. Uh, I'm excited to kind of push that story forward. Yeah. And what are some of the milestones that you've uh, achieved as a, as a company? Yeah, so the biggest milestone, so w listing was the first one, uh, yeah. of course, right? Um, so getting the IPO done, I uh, did um, lead, lead sponsored the IPO. We did $1.4 million, brought this thing public at 17 and a half cents. Um, stock as of today is trading north of a dollar, dollar 17, dollar 18, that sort of range up to highs in the high 20s, 30s. Uh, so we, we kind of took it, um, built some really good foundational assets. We acquired a couple more. Um, but really the biggest milestone since being listed has been uh, negotiating and acquiring the Destiny project in Quebec. Um, our next milestones as we move this forward is, of course, about drilling. It's about advancing the exploration. So we've acquired um, a substantial asset, and now we're putting all of our efforts into advancing that. So this thing has, this project has historically already had 50,000 meters of drilling on it. It's all racked and stored in Valdor. It's easy for us to access. We've got a good geologic record uh, and it's our job now to take that expand this add more ounces rethink the story um, and really bring our touch to how do we bring value to our shareholders in this so 
Yeah. Um, one of you just uh, obviously mentioned your flagship asset. Just wanted if you can give us an overview of that. Um, what's obviously great about it? Um, <clears throat> yeah. The, the geology and uh, location is pretty important. It is, yeah. And so I kind of touched on the significance of the Abitibi region itself. Now, the Abitibi is, for those, I guess, those of your listeners who may not know, the Abitibi is the name of a very large greenstone belt. Um, greenstone being, in simplest, I guess, the simplest way to think about it is a greenstone is an area uh, where a lot of uh, gold deposits happen in Canada uh, or in around the world. So we're looking at like an origenic gold belt. There's all sorts of fluid flow. Things are happening. These are old rocks. We're in Archean rocks here. Um, you know, in the Abitibi, there's a number of main structural breaks. I don't know if you'll be able to pop this up, but it'd be great if you could. There's a slide from our website um, that kind of shows the Abitibi, and uh, it's on slide number 10. Um, this is a great figure if you could show your listeners yes, or on your YouTube part. But um, I'm going to pretend like you can see this, and I'm waving in front of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can see these main east-west trending structural corridors or breaks, as we call them. Uh, which are big deformation zones throughout the Abitibi. Now, this is where a number of the deposits, showings, uh, and known events of mineralization are concentrated is along these structures. So just like anything in nature where things are changing and things are happening, that's that's the area that you care about. That's that inflection point. That's that, that point where you want to focus your attention for finding something anomalous, such as a gold deposit. Now, if you look at all the number of gold stars and dots, you kind of get a sense about how many deposits and how many projects are out here. And it's incredible. And this is an area where all of the giants are exploring. It's all of the majors, all of the mid tiers, a number of the most prolific juniors and a number of all of the juniors that are still building stories uh, are active in this camp. Now, it's important to understand that this is old. So the Cadillac, uh, Larder Lake, and the um, uh, the Dester Porcupine Breaks are the oldest in terms of discovery and development. So early 1900s, we're basically starting to make discoveries and start to produce ore out of these, um, out of these stru uh, main structural corridors. So it's kind of important to understand how exploration is radiated from these main structures, basically where a prospector was walking along, there's an outcrop, there's a vein, there's some yellow stuff in it, oh, it's gold, great, let's start a mine. Uh, to the modern day now where all of that stuff that's on surface has kind of been found. Um, there's still a lot of exploration happening and a lot of prospective ground in the southernmost breaks and structures, uh, but exploration is radiated north. Um, and there is another figure on um, 11 of our deck, which you might be able to bring up. And this yep. is kind of the way we started to think about the Abitibi. It's why haven't people found as many showings or deposits along the structure where our project is now called the Jacoby. Um, Jacoby is a large deformation corridor. It's 400 meters long. It's in the Abitibi. It's right in the middle of the Abitibi. On the south side, there's a plethora of gold showings, deposits, active mines, historic mines, and in the north, there's the same thing, all concentrated along these structures. Now, what we kind of started to think about was, why is there less exploration? So I took, I don't know, hundred and almost 200,000 drill holes, uh, into a data set, pulled up the overburden depth, which is the depth between like the surface that you might walk on and then bedrock. Uh, 
are where the hard rock starts. It's that, that's the till, the mud, the dirt, the soil, the all that junk. Um, and sort of plot out the overburden depth from drill records. And what you see is the red dots on this map means that it's on surface. It's basically right there. So if you're walking through the woods, you're on, on rock or very close to being on rock. Once you get into this blue area, you see that it's a lot deeper. So for the Chicobi, you can notice that it's undercover. It's got 10 meters of till basically covering the whole thing. It's the same series of structures. It's the same type of mineralization as everywhere else. Um, along strike, you get over to Amex uh, on the structure. Amex Exploration is just kicking off a 300,000 meter drill program, picking up results similar to what we've encountered and have been historically encountered in the destiny high grade narrow vein uh, but with appreciable widths um, and perhaps a larger lower grade envelope um, on the eastern extent of the structure you're getting into a cisco windfall which i think four or five weeks ago now it was and hit the highest gold grade intercept i've ever seen in a piece of drill core in my life with 90,000 grams or something like is insane. <laughs> so, so this area is kind of right to, to get all that attention. You've got the kind of the extremes of it that are a little bit closer to surface. Some historic work, big projects. Destiny was only discovered in 1998. That's super recent for the Abitemi. Certainly, certainly. So how is the junior sector going in, in that area? Would you say? Oh, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. It's it, it, the Abitibi is an area where you can produce gold at cash costs of like seven fifty. That's pretty typical. So you've got lots of margin right now. Yeah. Deposits become really attractive. Uh, projects can become attractive with bulk tonnage, low low grade. Uh, the gold price where it is right now is very attractive. Quebec has been an excellent jurisdiction to work in historically. Uh, continually ranked in the top of the Fraser Institute's picks for mining jurisdictions worldwide. You've got super flow through, you've got a mining culture, you got infrastructure galore. Um, if you're in the Abitibi, generally you're on infrastructure. Um, there's some areas that are a bit more remote, but we're not, you know, we're not really using helicopters to explore here. Um, it's easy to explore. So the junior sector is extremely strong because the projects are approachable. The projects have a lot of opportunity to grow and expand, um, and it's just a really good mining jurisdiction. Yeah, and and so what is the future, would you say, of the junior space, and where do you sort of see some big wins and discoveries, in your opinion? Well, and that kind of comes back to thinking about things different, right? All yeah. the easy stuff that to be found has been found, unless you're thinking about it different, or it's been caught up in some legal battle or litigation over a number of years. Generally, you've got to start thinking deeper. You've got to start thinking differently. Um, there's not many jurisdictions around the world where you can go in and kind of make these new discoveries in a relatively risk-free jurisdiction or stable jurisdiction like Canada. Um, Abitibi, it's hard to imagine that this has explored, been explored for 120 plus years and has produced 80 million plus ounces and there's still new discoveries happening. So sometimes it's in that, there's that adage of the shadow of the head frame, but I think focusing on where we can add value, think about things a little bit differently, maybe the gold price is helping us, but just getting into these in-between or overlooked parts of large belts starts to make a lot of sense for a junior to be able to get a uh, big upside for them. So, 
Yeah. And has the coronavirus affected the, the sort of genius space? And um, and how do you think this will impact in the short term? Yeah, I mean, certainly the coronavirus has an impact. It's impacted everybody around the world. Yeah. Uh, it's impacted my home. It's impacted my friends, my colleagues, our staff, our travel restrictions alone make it very difficult. Now, in Canada, exploration and mining is considered an essential service. Um, so we are able to carry out work safely and we are able to carry out work. Um, so we haven't been in a situation. There have been sometimes in the past year that there have been restrictions placed on being able to travel uh, even for uh, exploration or these type, this type of work. But in general, the work has been allowed to continue. Um, the mining industry is notorious for having some of the highest safety protocols across all industries. I don't know if you've ever visited an active mine site, but it's, uh, I have, it's, a, yeah. process. it's a process, right? Yeah, so, so, okay, we throw a global pandemic in here. Okay, we have a tick box for that. This is our procedure yeah. for global pandemic. Now everything's a little bit different and changing. However, I think it's being managed relatively effectively. It has been. Yeah. There's certainly some outlying cases and we're all learning. Um, I think the investment sector is certainly, is, when you look at the capital market side of things, it was hurt early. Um, gold price obviously responded the inverse of that shortly after and really had a rip through the summer into the early fall and again right now. So, it's, I mean, $1,900 gold price is great. Like, it's an incredible value um, proposition for a number of the explorers and operators in, in Canada. Now, convert that into Canadian dollars as well. It's a pretty attractive um, operating price. Yes. So, so I think coronavirus did affect it. It hasn't really affected the way that we've been able to get our work done. Um, you know, working remote, you can't really run a drill without being at the drill. <laughs> yeah. However, when we are at the drill and we are doing the logging and all of this, we're already kind of in a remote environment. Yeah. Um, we're isolated and safe. So. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting time. There's some new challenges, some new tricks. Uh, we've bought a lot of face masks and gallons and gallons of hand sanitizer. And uh, so far, we've been um, uh, very, very cautious and we've done a very good job in managing uh, managing this so far. But it's certainly taken its toll on a lot of people. And I think that's the hardest part is yeah. people can't see their family. We can't, you can't travel as much, even if we can, if you're going in the field and you're going to go to work, you're going to stay there for a longer time than you might have before. Yeah, certainly. I mean, obviously being a recruiter, I speak to a, a number of clients, a number of candidates. And I think this year, um, obviously they've had to change their way in yep. terms of the, the movement of people. And I think they've definitely got to grips with it. It's virtually different stations, different um, jurisdictions around the world, different companies. <clears throat> and I think they're, they're very on top of it. And I think mm -hmm. that was a whole process that may have taken six months, generally speaking. Um, and I think now any company is on top of it now. Now they can move forward and progress into 2021 um, and move things, get back get things back onto track and move forward with it. Obviously there might be disruptions with um, flights and, and things like that, but that's something that can overcome. It's obviously making everyone safe, which I think most sites out there um, are safe from, from what I hear.
For sure. Yeah. I think it's the travel points is really where you, in, in the influx of new people into a camp environment. And let's be honest. I mean, if you're in a camp environment, um, in a remote camp, for example, you're in close proximity to a lot of people. Mm. Um, there's a lot of considerations where a camp that might've been able to house a hundred people can now only fit 20 in order yep. to maintain distance. So, so there's some costs, uh, I guess there's some negative cost impacts. Um, yeah, it's it's been a challenge uh, from the services company side. Uh, like we're active in a number of countries right now. Um, it's it's hard. Uh, it's hard to travel, and the number of COVID tests that we're doing is a lot uh, to make sure that we're able to work safely and we're we're managing everything. But uh, quarantine and self isolation appears to be effective. So I think as long as we can keep keep this up and get everything going we're we're in good shape and we'll yeah. learn some lessons and i don't think we'll have the flu for a while <laughs> <laughs> no, i don't think we will <laughs> um can you tell us a little bit about um clarity gold corpse management team and yeah so so andrew mail was sort of the the first biggest board member and then myself joined up theo vanderlin um and uh peter newen uh so we we've got a really lean core team um largely a I'm the only officer other than the CFO that's active. Uh, so the two directors are independent and they are uh, really as part of an oversight and my bouncing and sounding board for, Hey, let's move this down this path. What do we need to think about? They're both excellent. Uh, both directors are excellent and well-seasoned um, capital markets professionals uh, with good track records in the mining industry as well. Um, our CFO is uh, along that same line. So we've really built, an advisory board, which is kind of an extension of, as I mentioned earlier, uh, my mentors, my uh, my network of the people that I want to keep close, that are important for us to be able to build value and continue to build value. Michelle Robert is French Canadian, born in uh, born in the province of Quebec, and he's built more mines than I think I've visited in my life, and he's. Uh, essentially a semi-retired um, mining engineer that's an essential part of um, being able to operate in Quebec. His connections are huge. So we're really active with our advisory board. Mike Williams recently joined. Um, some of your listeners and yourself may know him from Aftermath Silver. Uh, he recently joined our advisory board. We've got Ian Graham. He's an ex-Rio Tinto. That really good critical thinking, this is the strategy way, but we you know, we're active as advisors. Yeah. A lot of the time advisory boards are really stale and they're, you know, maybe it's a call every few months, but I'm speaking to our advisors every hour right now, yeah. <laughs> especially yeah. as we're planning. So, so it's a bit more than, it's kind of an unorthodox way to look at a team. We've got a lot of strength in our advisory board. We've got my whole team at Longford Exploration that's working on this um, as well uh, in terms of planning thinking about how we're going to move this, interpolating data, you name it. Uh, so we've got a lot of things happening um, for a company that's, well, just really uh, finding a new uh, finding a new direction for its focus of exploration. So. Yeah. You've mentioned mentors a few times uh, during this podcast. How yeah. important are the mentors in your journey? Um, and what, what would you say you've got from, from them um, having these mentors and obviously keeping in contact with them um, and maybe other other listeners out there that may not have mentors or may have one, one, one mentor, yeah. may need more mentors. How has it impacted <clears throat> you in your journey and how you've progressed as well? 
Yeah, I mean, mining, the mining industry, most industries, every industry I've been in is all about who you know. You can be the best geologist, you can be the best engineer, you can have that a perfect uh, business acumen on how to get things done, but you need to have the network. That's the most important thing. You need to know who the person is to help you solve that problem, or you need to know how to find them. You need to have that person that's going to uh, say, well, you know, you need to think about that a little bit differently because I ran into this problem 30 years ago in Mongolia when this situation happened. Um, so always had the ideology that people have done good work in the past. Don't repeat old work. And I take that to don't repeat mistakes that you can avoid <laughs> yeah i suppose so, it's, and i suppose it's other people looking at what you're doing but looking at objectively maybe yeah. looking at trying to look at flaws that that they may see but overcoming Absolutely. those flaws as well yeah it's just doing a due diligence checklist on uh, an MA for even a you know because we this is an what an eight and a half million dollar transaction for our company um for a 20 plus million dollar market company it's a big transaction Right. Uh, but a due diligence checklist on on a transaction like this is incredible. Mm -hmm. The number of variables, the things that you have to consider and think about, you need to have people that are um, thinking about things a little bit differently because you get stuck in that rut. So mentors have always been a huge part of how I am able to operate and have been able to operate and a number of people um, in our industry operate. So I was lucky and fortunate to work first with I guess I worked with Michelle and Ian in um, in Peru first. 2014 would have been the first time that we had worked worked together down there, and I learned so much from them. It was just that was an eye opening experience for me, and it taught me a whole new uh, perspective on how to think about exploration and taking something into mining. And we were working on artisanal mining, this different scale of project that I hadn't really encountered anywhere other than in Africa at the time and um, thinking about something instead of building 2 million ounces, keep six months of mine life in front of you. That works. That's, that's totally fine. Everybody does this. And, and there was just thinking about all these different parts. Um, Roy Kutluoglu is, um, apologies for the Kutluoglu um, last name is, um, I guess he's, he's essentially acting as a company QP right now. He's an advisor as well. Okay. Uh, he and I were just in Quebec on this project a few weeks ago. Uh, getting figured out for what the next plans are. Uh, he's a well-seasoned project manager. He drilled off the coffee deposit for Kamenak, which was sold to Gold Corp um, for almost a half a half a billion, I believe. <clears throat> Having these kind of people around that have run, you know, twelve drills at the same time, uh, have taken things through feasibility, have put them into production, have sold them to majors, uh, all of these elements, we need to keep that yeah. close. <laughs> yeah, certainly do. Okay, in conclusion, um, what's the sort of future and outlook of the company? And I suppose what are your USPs as well? And I suppose anyone that's listening that may um, look to invest in companies, why would they potentially look at you uh, and maybe invest invest in you guys? 
Yeah, yeah. What's the value proposition? So the value proposition is has, has been on the team, and it's been about we can get this, we can take this, we can use our experience, uh, we can advance things, we can put them together. So we we've, we've built that team. Now we've got this incredible asset. What that next step forward for us looks like is taking it from the fifty thousand meters of drilling that's been done, um, and bringing that number up adding ounces and rethinking about the way that we are interpreting this structure. We know where it is. We've got it. It's been coarsely drilled through a number of it. It just needs infill. It's methodical. It's simple. It needs deep drilling. It needs to kind of build an understanding. Um, so it's really about our, and our, our slogan has been and is this, the art of discovery. Um, we've kind of got the discovery and now we need to put some art on it to kind of keep building that discovery. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's kind of like a cool, a cool op opportunity for us. So our goal is to build that multi-million ounce uh, portfolio of gold in, in Quebec now. That's, yeah. that's the company's focus. And, and what's the sort of maximum, what, what are you looking to get in terms of ounces? Have you got sort of got figures out there that you're looking? Well, to yeah, we can't. I mean, we can't really. I, I mean, you know, as many as we can get is, yeah. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> the shortest answer. Uh, we can't really speculate on what the size might be yeah. in just the way that CIM and all these this guideline works. But um, if you can kind of take a look at where the where the resource exists right now, there's a nice long section on our website. Kind of really. Uh, simply to, shows you where it is and then all of the drilling that extends that strike length. So our deposits occupying like 350 meters of strike length yeah. of a three and a half kilometers zone, which has gold all along it. So my job is to just go and continue to drill yeah. all the way along it and just keep growing it. And that kind of gives you a context of what we're going to take from that 600,000 yeah. ounces. And really we can't group that indicated inferred, but, yeah, 250 inferred and the balance indicated ounces uh, and continue to grow that. Yeah. Um, so I think we're going to see some exciting drill holes that are, you know, going to be pulling up visible gold. There's a number of holes on this thing that have visible gold in it. There's going to be some great splashy grades. There's going to be some long intercepts with, you know, six, seven, eight grams. Like there's, there's going to be some interesting things that we're expecting to see in this as we develop the project yeah. well i look forward to uh look forward to the journey and look forward to uh and looking obviously looking at you guys as you uh obviously kept move this through 2000 and 2021 22 um really appreciate your time in uh obviously providing the audience with uh, uh your project and how can they go about finding you if they want to reach out to you are you best, on social media as well yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you'll find Clarity Gold everywhere on social media. If anybody has pointed questions, just reach out. We've got uh, general, like the company contact information is on our website, claritygoldcorp.com. Uh, Clarity Gold is on all of the main social media platforms. Reach out, follow the story. Um, absolutely. Um, we're building a lot of really interesting information that summarizes the Abitibi in this whole region and what our piece of it looks like. Uh, so there's a lot of more than just about our the destiny or our destiny <laughs> project. Uh, it's about that region as well. So um, yeah. Okay. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes accompanying this uh, podcast anyway. So um, people obviously can go reach out to you via that, um, obviously on LinkedIn as well. Um, and obviously this is going out on YouTube as well. So again, they can reach out to you on this. So um, really appreciate your time, 
James. Um, hope the audience has uh, got a lot of information around, obviously, mining in um, northern Canada. Um, and obviously, um, what James has had to stay around Clarity Gold and what they're looking to to achieve. So appreciate if you if you can share this um, podcast episode to any any other people that you know, any other people that may be um, interested in uh, mining in Canada um, who would like to obviously hear what James has had to say. So I really appreciate you can share that. Anyone watching on the um, YouTube channel as well, again, appreciate the likes, shares, and um, let's get this out to as many people as possible. So really appreciate your time, James, again. Um, and until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.